think I want to want to grab the mic like Ellie did. Let's go. Let's <laughs> go. That's awesome. Let's give it up for our worship team and our singers leading the way in our worship this morning. Appreciate you guys so much. Um, really getting us into the worship today. Well, it's great to be together. Happy Memorial Day weekend to all of you. And then, yeah, and then back to me. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, but if you're visiting with us, we appreciate that you uh, decided to come and be here with us today. We know that you could have been out barbecuing and getting ready for grilling. I know that's a big thing to do this weekend, but we are grateful that uh, you decided to come here and worship together with us. It is a beautiful day outside, so in about two hours when I'm done with the sermon, we'll be able to get out there and, you know, enjoy the, the great weather. Just kidding. Uh, two hours, yeah. Uh, good, you caught it. Okay, yeah, two hours. Um, we as, I'm grateful that the weather is beautiful today. I mean, I don't know if you remember last Sunday... We had a wild thunderstorm. Um, maybe you slept through it. Uh, I didn't. At about 2 o'clock in the morning, there was a thunder that occurred. Sounded like it ripped our house in half. I think it was you know, immediately over our house. And I was just out cold. I was dead asleep. And as soon as that happened, I grabbed Katie. And I was like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And I was really calming myself down. She was fine. I was trying, and I didn't fully understand what was going on. I just knew that I was scared. I thought maybe she was scared. And she's like, what, like, what are you doing? Um, and then before I could even think about it, I said, I'll go get the kids. I I'll go take care of the kids. And so I head out of the room, and she says, the kids might be fine. And so I go over by their room, and they were sound asleep, slept right through it, very calm, unlike their father at the time. Um, but I'm grateful that we're still alive. And what I was really trying to do was to just be compassionate towards Katie. I just wanted to express some compassion towards her, which is, which is yeah, it wasn't that at all, honestly. I was just scared. But we're going to talk about being compassionate today. And I want to just take us back to last week. You know, last week I talked about vulnerability and I talked about being known and the power of being known and how important that is for us as Christians. In order to connect with others, we have to be vulnerable. And so I want to talk about the other side of that vulnerability today. I want to talk about being the recipient of someone's vulnerability in attempts to be known what does that need to be met with by us? And that is vulnerability, actually. Okay, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But vulnerability needs to be met with vulnerability. And on our side, as a recipient of vulnerability, what that means is being compassionate. It means to connect with someone who is trying to be known, who is being vulnerable, who's putting themselves out there, in order to really connect with that, we need to meet that with compassion. So what is compassion? I mean, what does compassion even mean from a biblical standpoint? 
So this may sound strange, but just bear with me for a minute. I mean, it literally means to have the bowels yearn. And so that means our heart or our spirit needs to be moved in such a way that it goes out to meet the person where they are. That you are yearning for their position, their, their situation, their struggle, that it would improve, that, that, that it would get better. It means to feel sympathy, to have pity again, to be moved by someone's situation. To see someone's position, to be moved by it. And when we're moved by it, it means that we're being vulnerable. Because we're allowing ourselves to be moved by someone else's situation. It requires us to go into a place emotionally where another person is, which is a vulnerable position to be in as a giver of compassion, right? To be moved by someone else's situation. But we need to answer the question, why compassion? Why, as disciples of Jesus, do we need to be compassionate? Well, the first answer to that question is that we see Jesus demonstrate compassion over and over and over again in the scriptures. It's who he was. Matthew 9, verse 36. Matthew 14, verse 14. Matthew 15, verse 32. Matthew 20, verse 34. I mean, we see Jesus demonstrate it over and over again, and we see Jesus teach about compassion. When he talks about the Father, he talks about the Father as a compassionate Father. Most notably, in the story or the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And we also see compassion not just encouraged in the New Testament. We actually see courage or compassion being commanded to become part of who we are as followers of Jesus. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And we see something similar encouraged by Paul to the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 4, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God forgave you. So the scriptures command compassion. But also, I think another reason that we need to be compassionate is because we are image bearers of God. Okay, we are to reflect God's nature and his character to the world. And so as someone comes to us in a vulnerable and difficult situation, our duty is to reflect back to them how God would respond to that situation and that circumstance. Right? That, that is, I mean, it's duty, but it's also opportunity to be like God and to be like Christ, to give someone a visible representation of how God is with them. 
There's lots of great examples of compassion all through the scriptures. Last week, we talked about a really inspiring relationship between David and Jonathan. I mean, so, so special, that bond. It talks about their souls being knit together. So I want to look at a, a different relationship in the Old Testament today, a, a very inspiring relationship, but one that is a great example of vulnerability and compassion being returned. And that's Ruth and Naomi. Okay, great, great story. We're just going to read part of it. Um, so you can turn with me in your Bibles over to Ruth chapter 1. And we're going to read just verses 1 through 18. And then we'll talk about uh, this story and learn what we can from uh, this powerful story in the scriptures. So Ruth 1, I'll read verses 1 through 18. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people, by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. 
Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So let's dive into this uh, story just a little bit to give you some context. You know, the text initially indicates that this story occurred in the time period of the judges. And this was a time period between Joshua's leadership. So Joshua had taken over for Moses, led the Israelites into the promised land, took over the promised land, essentially. And then the time period of the judges happened, and this was prior to Israel's first king, King Saul. And the judges were leaders in Israel. God would raise them up for a period of time. They would lead, uh, they would help defend Israel. Uh, they would lead, lead them in battles, but it was just for a time. You see, their position didn't pass on to their next generation. It was only held for their lifetime. And the time period of the judges was essentially a time period of, of anarchy and confusion. And so the text here indicates that during this time period, there was a famine in the land that forced at least one family, perhaps more, but at least one family, that of Elimelech, Naomi, and their two sons, to find food elsewhere. So the family went to the country of Moab, located on the east of the Jordan River and the Dead Sea. And it's a, it's a bit interesting as you read the story because Moab and Israel throughout their history had tense and difficult relations. They weren't always on good terms with each other. They had their own gods. They often fought with Israel. So it's interesting that they chose to go to Moab. But it appears as though there may have been some friendly relations between the two nations at that time. So they go to Moab. Uh, Seems like their situation improved, but then Naomi experiences, I mean, unimaginable tragedy, right? Her husband dies, and then her only two children, her two sons, die as well. I mean, you could just imagine the pain and the difficulty that she felt as a result of that experience. And so she's, she's in this difficult position. She's, you know, lost her husband, lost her, her two sons, and then she, and she's in a foreign land. But then she gets word from Israel that God had provided for her people. And so she decides to return to her home country. And so at first, she brings her two daughters-in-law, which is it's interesting that she initially decided to bring them with her. And so they, they get a certain distance. We don't know how long. The, the text doesn't indicate indicate but then I think she just realizes you know what benefit is this going to have for them to return with me to my home I'm not in any good standing I don't have a husband I'm probably not going to have a husband when I return to Israel it's more likely that they their her two daughters-in-law would find a husband back in Moab so she's thinking about their security and, and, and urges them to go back And then look at her vulnerability. Look at what she opens up to her daughters-in-law 
about. I mean, you could imagine it would be very easy for her to say, you know, I'll be fine, well, you'll be fine, God loves me, God's lo- God loves you, just head back. But she doesn't do that. She opens up and admits her feelings of hopelessness and bitterness. And then she says, the Lord's hand has turned against me. I mean, imagine that confession. She's supposed to be a person of God. These are are daughters-in-law that don't fully understand that. And she says, God's hand has turned against me. It's more bitter for me. And who can really blame her for feeling that way, right? And for experiencing that. But I think the admirable thing is that she opened up to her daughters-in-law about that. And so Orpah, not Oprah, just to clarify, Orpah, um, takes Naomi's advice and she heads back. But look at Ruth. Look at her compassionate and vulnerable response. I want to read it again and then I'll, I'll say a few things about it. She says, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Where you die, I will die. Your God will be my God. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. So, I mean, think about the vulnerable situation that Ruth is being brought into. I mean, Naomi's situation is not great by any means. But she's willing to go with her to a land that is not her own. She had not, to our knowledge, had ever been there. These were, the Israelites were not her people. And she doesn't have a husband. And that's a big deal in that time. I mean, that was her sense of security and standing in society. And she's willing to be vulnerable and go with her mother-in-law. Why? Why would anybody ever do that and put themselves in that position? Compassion. That's what this response is about. It's about compassion. It's about empathy. It's a willingness to love, to serve, and to sacrifice and be vulnerable for the sake of someone else. This is about compassion. You know, I was the recipient of some compassion this past week. Um, And I actually got to witness a very compassionate act that I want to share with you this morning. How many people in the room have been to the Bronx Zoo? People have been to the Bronx Zoo. Okay. So I shouldn't... I maybe shouldn't admit this, but I hadn't been until last week. That was my first time. I know, yeah. I know, as long as I had been here, um, I think I moved down here in 2006, and I just, I don't know, I just hadn't been there. And, and, and the thing is, it's not because I don't love animals. I actually really love animals. In fact, when I was, well, I won't tell you how old I was, but I was living upstate, I called our local zoo, in Binghamton area, Ross Park Zoo, and I asked if I could adopt a wolf. 
And I got somebody on the phone, and the woman's response was, yeah, yeah, you can sponsor a wolf, you can send us some money, and we'll send you pictures, and you sign some paperwork, and you know, you'll be sponsoring this wolf. And I said, no, 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 you're not understanding here. I want to adopt a wolf, AKA, I want to come to your zoo, I want you to give me a wolf that I can bring home, raise in my house, let him run around the neighborhood, and that's what I'm looking for. Does your zoo do that? And I don't remember exactly what happened, but I think she hung up the phone at that point. So, anyway, I love animals. I have compassion for animals and wolves. But we went to the Bronx Zoo. So it was Katie, myself, and our three girls. And we're traveling around. And at one point, I'm pushing the stroller, and Viv is off to the side. And, you know, she's just, you know, walking by herself, doing her Vivi strut. And just in front of us, there were a group of Indian girls that were looking back at Vivi and were smiling and just, you know, thought she was so cute. And they're like whispering to each other and, you know, and Vivi's like soaking it up, you know, she's, she's doing her walk. And they're, you know, giggling and looking at her and all of a sudden Viv just face plants on the ground. And of course... I want to run over and say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. <clears throat> like the night of the storm. But I, I held back for a moment, and one of the girls, one of the Indian girls, looks at her, doesn't even hesitate, and runs right over to her, and picks her up off the ground. And, you know, like kind of dusts her off and makes sure, makes sure that she's okay. And I was so struck by that. I mean, this girl's willingness to cross cultural lines, right? To be vulnerable, in a sense, to be, to, to sacrifice, to, to be inconvenienced. And to immediately, I mean, she didn't even hesitate, immediately go over to Vivian, who... I mean, it was probably embarrassing for her. And to just to pick her up, didn't even know who she was, pick her up, make sure she was okay. And I thought, wow, what a compassionate act. And I think the thing that struck me the most about it was the fact that the girl didn't even hesitate. And she didn't even have to think about it. It was such a natural response to see someone in need, someone down on the ground, somebody who was struggling, someone who had a difficult situation, who fell, and to go and give and show compassion. It was just who she was. And the reality for us in this room as followers of Jesus, that's who we need to be. That's who we have to be. Givers of compassion, not just doers of compassion, people who just are at our core compassion. It needs to be automatic, especially within the body of believers. I mean, isn't that what Paul was talking about as he wrote to the church in Colossae in Ephesus? I mean, he's talking about with each other. Be compassionate. 
and think about what compassion produces. It actually produces more vulnerability. Right? If somebody comes to you in a vulnerable situation, you reflect compassion and the nature of God to them. What does that communicate to them? I'm going to come to you with more stuff. I can be more known to you. It perpetuates vulnerability and gives you opportunity for more compassion. Now, our church, our region, should be so saturated with compassion that it spills out into our communities and neighborhoods. And I think a great way for us to practice that within our neighborhoods and communities is through hospitality. It's just spending time with people in our neighborhoods, opening up our homes, going to their homes, just getting out and spending time with people. But oftentimes, we don't practice compassion because we aren't even connected with people. How can you practice compassion in your own neighborhood, in your own community, if you aren't even connected with people? If you don't have time to be with people or make the time to be with people. Sometimes we might say, well, I don't know what to be compassionate about. Well, that's because you don't know people. You have to get out and put yourself out there. Be willing to be uncomfortable and sacrifice and be vulnerable so that you can give compassion. And I think one of our biggest struggles with compassion is that we're just, we're uncomfortable with other people's situations. We're uncomfortable with other people's issues, their experiences, and their emotions. And we're uncomfortable with compassion because it forces us to be vulnerable. To be pulled into someone else's world. Someone else's situation. Someone else's suffering. It forces us to be inconvenienced. And I think that's so connected with our selfishness. And I think that's the greatest threat to compassion is our own selfishness, and tied in there with that is fear. You know, oftentimes, we go through difficult situations in our lives so that we can relate to other people and help other people in their situations, right? It makes us, struggle makes us more compassionate. It makes us more humble and willing to go there and connect with people. So let the difficult experience take its work and then remember that as an opportunity to help someone else. And I think sometimes someone shares something with us we feel uncomfortable and so our response is go figure it out. You go pray. Go spend time in your Bible. You, 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 you figure it out on your own. And then when you are fixed and God, you know, helps you out, then you can come back. 
And I think that is just wrong. I think it's just wrong. I mean, think about it. Think about it for a minute. Is that really how God the Father is with us? Is that how Jesus is with us? Is that the picture painted of Jesus in the New Testament? Absolutely not. Yes, amen. Keep it real. Think about this. God and all his self-sufficiency, right? Through Jesus, put himself in the most vulnerable situation for a God to be in. When he came to earth as a human being. With all the sin and all the struggle of humanity, and died on a cross. I can't think of a more vulnerable situation for God to be in. Right? Why? Why do that? Why go through all that trouble? Because it was a demonstration of the nature of God, compassionate. And loving towards us so he could relate to our situation. That's what God does for us. That's what Jesus has done for us. And so that's what we need to be for each other. That's what we need to imitate in our own relationships. So go there. Go there with somebody. Be willing to be compassionate. That's what Ruth was willing to do for Naomi. Right? She was willing to be inconvenienced, to sacrifice, and to give, and to give compassion. And the story is about God, right? I mean, we see God's character through Ruth. I mean, do you see God in Jesus in that story? That's what we need to see throughout the Bible, is God in Jesus in those stories. So what do we do? How do we practice compassion? How do we become more compassionate people? So I'm going to help you out. I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to give you three steps or three practicals to be compassionate. <clears throat> So number one, visualize giving compassion. Another way to think about that is to prepare yourself for giving compassion. Mentally go there. Set your mind on giving compassion. There's a very interesting body of research that's actually still growing today that people who spend time in what's called loving-kindness meditation or compassion Meditation, who spend time regularly doing that, become more compassionate people. Not just increase their feelings of compassion, but they give compassion. That's a great practice. Number two, 
So when you're with someone, especially as someone is being vulnerable with you, practice empathic listening. And what that means is we engage and listen to what the person is saying. Now that seems very straightforward and easy, but in our distracted culture, honestly, how difficult is that? Right? Our minds are all over the place. We're often preparing for how we're going to respond to somebody. Just put that to the side and just listen. Listen with your eyes. You know, see the body language. Listen to, to the words. But listen with your heart as well. What are the feelings behind what they're sharing with you? And then reflect back. It, relate if you can, sometimes not. But validate. And just sometimes, it, you just have to say, wow, that's hard. That's a difficult situation. That's what empathic listening is all about. And then respond and ask the question, and up there I put, and mean it, how can I help? How can I help? And sometimes what you get back from somebody, you might not be able to do. And look, I'm not saying enable people to just, you know, continue to exist in their situation. I'm saying, how, what can you do to help in a way that is beneficial to the person? How can I help? Sometimes it's just pray. Sometimes it's just pray and just check in with somebody. So maybe that's it. But maybe there's something other than that that you can do. But ask the question, how can I help? So let's be vulnerable with one another and return that vulnerability with compassion and allow the hands of the Father to knit us together and create us to be the tapestry of Christ, covering the world with the light that casts out the darkness. Let's be the people the compassionate people that Christ has called us to be. Amen and thank you.